Hello. Thank you for listening to the Avenue GCLC podcast. My name is Christopher Stevens, and I'm the minister at the Avenue G Church of Christ, where we are people of more. We hope that you enjoy and have enjoyed listening to this podcast, where you can find sermons, congregational singing, and talk shows with myself and youth minister Joshua Williams. We pray that the content is a blessing to you, and we hope that everyone listening can join us in person for worship and Bible class. We are located at 601 West Avenue G, Temple, Texas, 76504. And don't forget to visit us online at avegcoc.org. From the people of Moore to you, thank you and God bless. again today we have come together to do nothing other than worship God our response to God for all that he has done for all that he is actively doing and all that he will do each Sunday we have the opportunity to come together we get to not that we have to, right? Sometimes we have that attitude where, oh, I have to do this again. We get to come together, sing praises, talk to, hear about, remember things that God has done. I think that's a blessing. On today, on today, we're going to be continuing our sermon series. It was supposed to be We'll push it back a little further. We were supposed to do our our yearly sermon uh, on today. Um, But I felt as though we need to continue with this Church Hurt series. As we have been, I know I've been having a good time examining things and, and figuring out ways so that we don't hurt people in the church. I think it's good to have a reminder every now and again of ways that we can grow closer to God and and be more of what God would have us to be. And so on today, on today, I want to start off by by, by sharing a story with you. Now, this story, this story is is from a long time ago, right? From a long, long time ago. Y'all remember, y'all remember the 2000s. Not, Not the 20s. Tens, not the twenty twenties, but the two thousands. Y'all remember when everyone was scared that when the clock changed to two thousand that everything was gonna go off? People were buying water up and canned goods. Y'all remember that Y two K scare stuff? This story is from back then. So this story, of course, is is in my teenage years. Some of us in here, we were not teenagers. You were already old in the two thousands, but it's okay. <laughs> when I was a teenager in the early 2000s and I, I remember going into the mall because when we were teenagers uh, every weekend you know we didn't we didn't just stand in front of cameras and dance and choreograph dance um, we went outside of the house and uh, we went to the mall and the mall was fun because the mall had arcades the mall had a movie theater. It had a food court. It had places to where we can go and buy uh, our favorite type of clothing and hats and polo boots and all kinds of things, right? So, But there's this one moment that I remember very vividly. Uh, as I went into the mall, we would, we would sometimes walk because I was close enough to where I could walk to the mall. Um, and later on, we would drive. But I remember how we would go into the malls. We would always make sure that we were fresh, right? Our jeans would be starched up, right? Y'all remember starching up jeans, trying to get it to where they could stand up by themselves, right? Starch the jeans up, make sure it got a crease, right? 
Put that crease in those jeans. You iron your shirt, no wrinkles, right? And then you put on your Air Force Ones or your Reeboks, Reebok Classics, right? And I remember going into the store. We walk into the mall with our starched jeans and our pressed shirts and our cheap cologne. And I remember as we would get ready, we had a process also with our hair, right? We would we would get our hair and we would get a hot towel, get that, that thick grease that clogs up your pores. And we slick our hair down to make sure our waves stayed in place, right? And then we put our do-rags on and tie it up, right? And we put our hats on with our straight brims. We didn't fold it at that point. That's what old people did. They folded their hats, right? But we kept ours straight like 50 cents, right? But we go into the mall. We're making our first lap. And all of a sudden, mall security comes to us and tells us we need to take off our do-rags. I'm like, why? He says it's gang-related. Right? This was the first day that I knew I was a gang member. <laughs> That's not how the story ends, right? In that moment, I experienced judgment. In that moment, this man had been given information that was not good information. It was not gang-related. We want to keep our hair in place. We just forgot to take it off before we came in. But we, he gave he was given bad information, and he saw us, and all of a sudden he thought, gang member, right? Now, I've never desired to be in the gang. We used to act like we were in gangs in middle school. We, we'd say we were the, the yellow ducks and the purple barneys, and we would flick paper with rubber bands at each other. But I've never desired to be in a real gang. But in that moment, I felt judgment. He took a look at me and he decided in his mind what I was and he held false info to be true. He made a judgment. Have any of us in here ever been judged before? Many of us are who we are because of what we have gone through. But sometimes in our life, people have taken a look at us and all of a sudden they say, you are this based on what I see or based on what I've heard. You're a single mother, so that must mean that you are an angry and bitter woman. You're a teenager, so that means that you cannot know and experience true love. You are a Christian, so that must mean that you are judgmental. I think all of us in here have been judged at some point in our life. And there are many different ideas about judgment that exist in the world today. Uh, one is the idea that Christians should abandon their moral compass and let truth be in the eye of the beholder. We hear people quote all the time, Matthew 7, verse number 1. Matthew 7, verse number 1. What do we say in Matthew 7, verse number 1? What does that say? Judge not, or do not judge, so that you may not be judged. They say, you're a Christian, why are you judging me? Let me live as I, how I want to live. And many people have left the church because people have judged them. But I think that we've read some wrong things into the Bible. Instead of us exegeting, we have eisegeted and put meaning into Scripture where there wasn't. Turn to Matthew chapter 7 with me. I need you to get this. I need you to get this because it's going to be important for the sermon for us to understand today, Matthew chapter 7. Say amen when you're there. Now, Jesus does say, in fact, judge not. Say, hold on if you're not. I hear pages turning. See, this is why I didn't put it on the screen. I like hearing those pages turning. I intentionally didn't put it on the screen. So if you have your Bibles, actually open it up. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Verse 3 is a famous verse. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log is in your own eye? Now, Jesus does say this, but I, but I want to put forth this to you this morning. 
that what Jesus is talking about is not what the world calls judging. Okay? Uh, uh, Jesus isn't speaking about telling someone what is right or wrong. To make a judgment is deeper than just a statement. Right. Uh, let me let me show you another. If you drop down, you can see proof of this. Uh, drop down in the same chapter to verse number 15. Jesus tells us to do something. He says, beware of false prophets. Right. This means pay attention to be weary of false prophets. If somebody is a false prophet, are they going to come to you and tell you that they're a false prophet? These are people who are going to give you a message from God, quote unquote, that is not truth that will do you harm and that doesn't match up with the will of God. Someone who is doing this is not going to tell you this. So Jesus says, they're going to come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. In verse 16, he says, you will recognize them by their fruits. Jesus is not saying in one verse at the beginning of chapter 7 to not judge and then telling us to judge at the end. So I know that that's not what judging is. Jesus tells us very clearly, pay attention to fruits because people, what they do, they will tell you who, you are, who they are. They will tell you exactly who they are. I don't care what someone says out of their mouth. Your fruits are going to tell me exactly who you are. Amen. And so I, I want to also go a bit further because we need to still see what this judgment thing is. We know that judgment is not say, making a statement. So what is judgment? I want to give you an example of two of two cases, right? One case, two courtrooms. One case, two courtrooms. In this one courtroom, you have a man. He has committed murder and the judge is sitting at the bench and he says to the man, what you did was harmful and wrong. You probably shouldn't do that. Then he bangs the gavel, and then he leaves. Is that judgment? Think about that for a while. Is it judgment if he just tells a murderer, hey, that was really messed up what you did. See you later. Uh, let's look at this other case so we can make a good judgment. Here's the second case. A man commits murder and the judge is sitting in the bench and he states, you killed another human being. You have been found guilty on all charges and are sentenced to life in prison. Which one is judgment? Number two, he makes a judgment because he notices something about someone. He makes a statement and then he gives a final judgment. To judge someone is to point out faults and then make a final decision. To judge someone is to point out fault and then make a final decision. To look at someone with a do-rag on and make up in your mind that they're a gang member, that's judging. To let someone, especially a Christian, know about the standard of God in love is not. We should probably go further. Uh, this is not in there. Go, go to Galatians 6 as well. Because I, I need you to get this because this is what people are going to say to you whenever you talk about what's right and what's wrong. Galatians 6, verse number 1. The Bible says, well, say amen if you're there. Amen. Say, hold on if you're still turning. All right. It's right before Galatians. All right, Ephesians. I'm sorry. Right before Ephesians. Last chapter. Galatians 6, verse number 1. The Bible says, brothers, if anyone is caught in transgression, this is a letter to the church. If anyone is caught in transgression and doing wrong, he says, you are spiritual. You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. We have a responsibility as Christian brothers and sisters when we see each other in sin. Now, I need to identify this as well. Sin is something that is in opposition to God. If it is not causing someone to lose their soul, leave it alone. Amen? This is what we're going to see in our text today. The title of our text today, or the title of our sermon today, is Put Up or Shut Up. 
put up or shut up. Because a lot of us, we have a problem with, I have a strong conviction about this idea, this thought. And so if you don't do as I believe, you are a sinner, you're going to hell. Not strong truth from God, but a strong conviction, a strong belief. But the Bible tells us and God tells us that we are to put up with our brothers and sisters. We are to put up with them. We are to have tolerance with ideas, with belief systems that don't cause us to lose our soul. I'll give you proof of that here. Turn your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. Now, as we look at this, uh, in the section around uh, chapter 12, right, um, Paul is speaking to the church at Rome, and he's talking to a, 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 a church that is made up of multiple cultures of people. You keep seeing this pattern, right? Because Paul is sent to speak the gospel to what type of people? Gentile people, right? And so he has this mixed up group, and, and some of them are people who he has taught one on one. And so they know exactly what Paul believes, and they know exactly what God has for, for uh, Paul to give to them. Now, he presents this message to them, he tells them about what they have in God, just like it does in, in Ephesians. And, and he's presenting to them the unity that should exist within a body of Christ, within a church. There should be unity. Now, I know that the reality that happens, especially here, right, is that uh, we have black churches and white churches and Latino churches, but there should be unity within the church, not just by race, because that's the thing that we look at the most, but there, used, there should be unity also of mind. But we do have the freedom to believe what we will as long as it doesn't contradict the will of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 14, Receive one who is weak in the faith. Can we say weak? weak? But not to disputes. Can we say disputes? These are those strong convictions. These are those uh, um, uh, opinions. Um, I put the New King James up there, didn't I? Okay, I'll read that anyway. Um, for one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise. Can we say despise? Despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge. Can we say judge? That's that, that, that Greek word is krino. Krino, right? And that's to, to point out something and make a final judgment about it. Let us not uh, judge him who eats. For God has received him. In, in the version I'm going to be reading later, it's going to say, welcome. Um, the Bible says again, who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master, he stands or falls. Indeed, he will, make, he will be made to stand. Can we say stand? Every one of us is going to have to stand before God one day. Uh, you, you don't have to stand before me, but you're going to have to stand before God one day. For God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. Continue. Next slide. He who observes this day, he who observes the day, observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day, to the Lord he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord. Can we say Lord? Lord? Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every, bless you, every knee shall bow to me. And every tongue 
shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Hmm. We judge people's final destination based on things that are not against the will of God all the time. All the time. We make judgments in our hearts, out loud, through social media. We make these judgments all the time. So what I want you to see in this first section here is, is that we as people, we have to be heart watchers. Right. We have to be heart watchers. And I'm not talking about the other person's heart. I'm talking about your own heart. All right. Verse number one, again, the Bible says, welcome those who are weak in faith. Now, he's saying here, he says, don't skip past this welcome part. This is this is important. He's saying that you need to welcome as a guest, be hospitable. Right. To be hospitable with someone doesn't mean that you should spit on them. Right. You should show love, be welcoming, say, come on in. I want to be your friend. I want to be your family. Welcome those who are weak in faith. Now, I don't want you to think here that when you see weak, that is describing someone who is struggling with their belief in God. That's not, a, that's not what this is talking about. What you'll see in context is, is that Paul is describing someone who has not fully accepted their freedom in Christ. I need you to understand that each and every one of you who are belonging to God, those who will be Christians, who would be Christians, you have certain freedoms. Now, there are some things that people bind on you that cause you to be shackled down. But Jesus says that my burden is light. I'm not making you put a white cloth on the communion table. I'm not making you have only one song leader. I'm not making you not have a kitchen in the church. But these are things that people have placed burdens on the church and said that if you do them, you're going to hell. And it's not the case because God doesn't speak about kitchens in churches or white cloths on communion tables or even a song leader, period. But this is something that we place as a burden on people. Is it wrong to believe that those things are right? It's not. But for those who would have their conscience bothered and then act against their conscience, to them, it's a sin. If you believe something to be wrong, you can't find it in your Bible, but you believe it to be wrong and you act on it anyway, that's a sin. You see, because the conscience is the medium through which God communicates with us. Did y'all know that? Sometimes we look, so especially whenever we're young in the faith and, and, and we're, we're trying to grow spiritually and we say, I really want to be like that person because they are so spiritual. And I want you to know that the ear that we have and the ear that we continue to mature and the, the, the ear that we have that hears the voice of God is not something that you're born with. It's something that we have to work at. It's something that you have to continue to build up. You have to continue to build up and read the word of God and put it into you so that whenever it comes to a situation or scenario, all of a sudden you're hearing the word, the words of God. And all of a sudden they're no longer just words, but heaven comes down and meets us in earth. And God is with us in each and every moment. So when someone upsets you, you can say, you know what? I need to love them. I remember reading that and it's become a part of me. Right? But these people in this situation, they're weak in the faith because they are believing that something is the case, even though it isn't the case, and they haven't accepted the freedom that they have in Christ. I'll show you this in a moment. But he says, welcome those who are weak in faith. And the weak in faith are not going to be who you think are the weak in faith. Watch this. But not for the purpose of quarreling over opinion. He said, don't welcome people in just so you can argue with them. Y'all remember, I'm not that old, but I remember a time when we believed in the churches of Christ, especially that the Bible was a tool to argue with folks. And so we said, come on in. Let, Let me talk to you so I can hit you over the head with God's word. And that built up a reputation that was not good. We gave new meaning to Bible thumpers. We became Bible bumpers. Bump people over the head with the Bible. He says, 
Don't welcome people in just to quarrel with them, just to fight with them. Verse two, he says, some believe in eating anything. This is the first scenario which which is happening within the church. He says, some people believe in eating anything while the weak only eat vegetables. Let me tell you about the people who are here because this is going to shock you. He says that some people think it doesn't matter what you eat now. In this culture, what was happening was is that people would take their animals and they would go and make sacrifices to false gods. So imagine for a moment. How many of you shop at H-E-B? Okay, most of us. Walmart, Sam's Club, whatever, whatever grocery store you shop at, right? Suppose you go into the grocery store and you go in to buy some ground beef and you see some, uh, some grass-fed ground beef. It's the best-looking ground beef you've ever seen, right? But it's being sold by a cult who worships the devil. And it's cheaper than the H-E-B brand. Do you buy it? <laughs> he says, no. I'm cheap and I'm buying that. <laughs> but the thing is, this is what was happening. Do you buy? Should you buy? Should you not buy? And so it was causing a rift between them, right? And so you had those who were Christians who used to be Jewish people who said, I cannot in good faith eat that. But those Gentiles who Paul had taught, they didn't have to really struggle with that because they didn't have a background with God. And so as it turns out, the ones who had the most history with Yahweh God were considered to be the weak ones who only ate the vegetables. Your history with God does not mean that you're a strong Christian. Okay? Just because you've known God longer doesn't mean that you're strong. That's another judgment that we make. Oh, he's just, he's just, he's new here. He, there's no idea he knows God like I know God. Right? And so they're struggling with this. And there may have been people who were Gentiles who said, I used to worship false gods. I can't eat this either. And so they only ate vegetables. But there's a rift here between people who can eat things and who cannot eat things. Verse number three, the Bible says this. Those who eat must not despise those who abstain. Now, he's saying here, if, if you are okay and you recognize that this meat doesn't make you a sinner, don't look down on the people who don't eat it. This is what despise means. Don't look down on the people who don't eat. And then he says, if you abstain, don't pass judgment. So those who were Jewish people, they were seeing people eat and they said, they're going straight to hell. They're going straight to hell for eating that meat. Don't look down on people. Don't judge people. Those who are strong, those who are weak. Now, I know that as Christians, we're waiting for Paul to say which one is right. He doesn't. He does not say who's right and who's wrong. Because I tell you what, the minute he says this is right or this is wrong, we turn our ears off. I knew it. And they won't hear what else Paul has to say. So he's, he's trying to teach them something here. And so he says, um, don't look down on those who abstain from eating meat. And don't, don't look down on those who do eat or don't judge those who do eat. Because he says, God welcomes them. He says, God doesn't always agree with what you don't like. And he doesn't always agree with what you like. What I see here is that from God. God doesn't have to agree with you. God doesn't have to agree with me. There are some things that I would rather not have be, be done in this world. But God is like, that's not a big deal. Because God is not looking at what you are taking into your body. God is not looking at what you are not taking into your body. He's worried about the body that is to come and whether or not it's going to exist with him for an eternity. God says, I want them to be in relationship with me. I don't care about this because the gospel has nothing to do with food. It has nothing to do with food. This is not a salvation matter. And so what do we do? We say the same thing today. This person, I can't believe they're Republican. 
I can't believe they're Democrat. Are they not listening to people's stances on what they believe? Are you going to hell because you believe in capitalism? Are you going to hell because you're a socialist? These are real questions. I don't think that Jesus will be walking around with candidate pins on his robe. We make judgments every day. I remember back in the day, it would be a young girl comes in with the big belly. They're promiscuous. Sinner going to hell. A man or a woman comes in with the opposite sex clothing on, they're going to hell. We either look down, can't do it, we can't deal with that. Mm -mm. They're beneath me. Or we make a judgment, they're going straight to hell. We've done it. We've done it. We've acted on this, right? I, I might be by myself. Maybe me and brother, me, me and brother Roe. We judge, we look down. He said, all right. Right. <laughs> to look down God is not concerned with human standards do y'all see this in this God is not concerned with human standards there are things in which God is not moving on yes fornication is a sin yes same sex attraction is a sin same sex uh, uh, acting in it homosexuality lesbianism is a, they are sins Yes, they are sins. But what does God do with sin? He defeats it. Amen. It is possible for God to love what you don't like. Now, let's look at verse number four. The Bible says, who are you? Paul says this next. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? How many of us are more than human beings? Paul says they don't belong to you. Your brother and sister don't belong to you. Your husband and wife, they don't belong to you. They are not yours. They are not possessions. And what happens is, is when we make judgments about people, and when we look down on people, we make them less of a human being. And no one wants to be treated as less than a human being. Amen. When you turn me into something that I am not, it hurts. I didn't like being seen as a gang member. Just because you didn't like being seen as an angry mother or an angry woman who can't keep a man when they don't know the situation as a single parent. Just like you don't like being seen as a judgmental person just because you believe in Jesus Christ. When someone makes you something that you are not, it hurts. And people leave the church because of it. We stand on what we stand on. Right? Which is the truth. We don't we don't get rid of our moral compass. But things that don't matter, things that are opinions, we need to just be quiet sometimes. Right? Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or he falls. He says he has a master, and that master is going to make him stand and report on what he has done. The master is not you. It says, and he will be upheld. Look at what Paul says. He will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. He says that if he is in sin, he has a judge who if he's not able to stand, God has the ability to make him stand to where he can stand before God and not fall. And that thing is Jesus Christ. Gives us the ability to stand. Amen. And when we look at uh, uh, verse number five and six, it says, Again, here's another scenario. He's saying one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Now, they had a problem here because they did not have to keep the Sabbath anymore. But there were some people fresh in this thing. It's like, man, I've been doing this my whole life. I can't stop doing the Sabbath thing because it bothers my conscience. In the moment that we start ignoring our conscience, let me tell you, God is not going to be able to speak to you. 
One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He says, whether you believe in this thing that isn't, isn't contrary to eternal salvation or not, you need to be convinced fully in your mind that what you are doing is right. He continues on to verse number six. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord. Since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. Listen, if you don't want to eat pork chops, don't you force that on me. Because that's some good cheap meat. I'm going to pray before I eat it and I'm going to eat it. Right? If you don't want to eat it, don't eat it. I like it. I like bacon. I like pork chops. I like pork roast. Some of y'all ain't eat breakfast. Y'all getting hungry, huh? But when I do it, I'm going to thank God. I'm going to honor God in whatever I do. Listen, this, this is something I was thinking about as I'm reading this. This is how you can tell if what you're doing is of opinion or, or strong conviction or whether or not is something contrary to the will of God. If I can't do something and honor God at the same time while doing it, then it's probably contrary to the will of God. Right? That's simple enough, right? If I can't do this thing and honor God while doing it, it's probably contrary to the will of God. Right? There are some good jokes that exist in this world. But if I can't tell that joke while honoring God, I probably shouldn't say it. Right? Amen. Make that joke go away you just thought about. All right. So we look at verses seven through nine. This right here, I call this section, we are not our own and neither are they. We are not our own and they aren't ours either. Right. Verse number seven, the Bible says, for none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Paul is simply saying, you don't even belong to you. So how does this person belong to you to where you can judge them? Right? Verse 9 says, for to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord, be Lord both of the dead and the living. Right? And we see this. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians 5.15. I did give you all this one, so you all didn't have to turn there. The Bible says, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for him who for their sake died and was raised. Guess what? If you accepted this gift of salvation, right? You no longer belong to you. Right? Your purposes are not your own. And everything that you do should be for God. Right? You traded that out, right? You died. A new creature, a new creation was born, right? Once we have accepted this salvation gift offered through Christ, we should live for him. Now, I want to get to this part, this, this verses 10 through 12. I call this section the judge, right? Because this is, this is profound to me. Verse number 10, the Bible says, why do you pass judgment on your brother, right? Why do you pass judgment on him? Or you, why do you despise your brother? Do you see how Paul didn't leave out? He didn't say that the ones that were weak were wrong. He didn't say that the ones were strong were wrong. He says, I'm talking to both of you. Because what happens is, so when we get into the looking down and the judging business, right, we waste time, precious time, that we could be out ministering to the world and we're in here trying to fix what we did to each other. Doesn't that seem, doesn't that seem like a waste of time? Think about this, right? Think about this for a moment. Y'all, y'all, y'all ever make cornbread, right? You get jiffy. It's easy to make, right? You, you get the cornbread and you put it in a bowl and, and you add so much milk and so much eggs, right? Some of us put some extra sugar in there, all right? Y'all watch y'all sugar. Watch that sugar level. And if that cornbread is too runny, right, it ain't going to turn out right. If it's too thick, it's not going to turn out right. 
So what if you were mixing and you got that mixture just right and you're still continuing to pour milk as you mix and you mix and you mix and you mix. Pretty soon you're going to have some cornmeal soup, right? That's what we do when we hurt each other in the body while trying to add to the body. Y'all get that? When we hurt each other in the body while trying to add to the body, nothing good is going to come of it. The product is going to be a messed up thing. We're just going to be a group of hurt people that hurt people. And if the body is hurting, it's not growing, it's not maturing, it's not going to live. Right? That makes sense, right? We all love Jiffy. All right. Paul, he, he corrects both the strong and the weak. And, and, and the judge, right? Look at this. For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. One day, when this eschatological event happens, this end days event happens, every person that has ever existed is going to stand before God and give an account for what he or she has done in their life. Think about that. If that scares you, make some changes. We should be excited to tell God about the things that we've done. But if that scares you, it's time to make some changes, right? But we're going to stand before the judgment seat of God, uh, the good and the bad. Uh, but God, right? He's the only perfect one in this scenario. All people who stand before God, while they may have more good than bad, and this isn't like that show, that TV show, The Good Place, where it's a point system. If you do so many good things, you go to the good place. If you don't, you go to the bad place. Good show, though. Ted Dancer is an American treasure. Um, but uh, every person that stands for the judgment seat of God is going to be judged for good and bad. And, and everyone is going to have done some bad things, right? And so Paul says, let me remind you of this Old Testament scripture. And this is what he does in verse number 11. He says, for it is written, right? He says, for it is written. When he says, for it is written, this means it was written before what I'm about to say in the Old Testament. He says, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, right? And every tongue shall confess to God. Now, when we see that, we just see Superman God saying, everybody bow down, right? Worship me, right? But this is more to it than that. I turn my Bible to uh, uh, Isaiah 45, verse 23. Now, this is what's happening in Isaiah, right? God's people are upset with God in Isaiah 45. And you know what they're upset with God about? They're upset with God because God has chosen someone to rule over them who is not of the lineage of David. And so they say, God, how can he rule over us? If he's not from the promised lineage, he's not from Abraham and from David, how can he be a king? And God says, shut up. Right? I, I, right? I make the pots. I make you. And so this is what he does. He, he tells them, you are clay pots and I am the maker. How dare you speak about what, what, what I do with the clay and you hold the same status as it, right? He, he goes on to say that he is supreme. He is almighty. And every knee one day will bow. See, they were concerned. They said, God, he can't be the leader of us because there's Egypt to worry about. There's, there's uh, all these other great nations that are going to come in and they're going to ruin us. They're going to take us out. God says, I am almighty. He says, by myself, listen to this, by myself I have sworn. I don't have to say, I, I swear to God because I am that one, right? He says, by myself I have sworn. And he says, from my mouth has gone out in righteousness, right? A word that shall not, that shall not return. Listen to this. He says, what I am about to say is the truth. You're worried about who's going to come and who is a good ruler and who is not a good ruler. I'm the one that makes this whole thing go. He says, to me, every knee shall bow. To me, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear allegiance. What he's saying in that is, is that you don't have to worry about Egypt because there'll be some Egyptians who are going to be bowing to me. 
You don't have to worry about Assyria because there are going to be some Assyrians who's going to bow down to me. And you don't have to worry about who doesn't agree with who I put into place because every knee is going to bow down to me. And so whenever it comes to the point of this church member and that church member despising someone and judging someone, God says we all need to put up with each other, have some tolerance because everybody bows to me and not to you. We're all clay. And he is the maker. And he has fashioned us, fashioned our situation, fashioned our circumstances, fashioned our life experience in a certain way to where we can meet him. So if somebody comes in here as a man dressed as a woman, understand that their path has been put into place by God and they can seek God if they seek him. And it's not our place to look down or to judge. Amen. Because every knee is going to bow. So you either put up with your brother or sister because the, the sinner who is still living still has an opportunity for heaven. Amen. That's it. Amen. That's it. And the things that we believe to be opinion, hush. Hush and let God do what he does. As I'm reading this, I'm reminded of a letter that I saw floating around Facebook, a church of Christ in Georgia. There was a woman there who divorced her husband, right? Divorced her husband and then went and married a woman, or is dating a woman, rather. The elders, they, they, they try to talk to this woman, and she, she's not changing her way. She's not responding. And so they say, we're going to write a letter, right? And I don't know. I don't know where this letter writing stuff comes from. I think that it's a business thing to keep a paper trail so that if somebody's acting up in the church, we can say, okay, I got a letter or two on them. So if they act up too many times, I can kick them out of the church that doesn't belong to me. Right? But they wrote a letter and they said, you have until this date to repent. True story. To me, opinion about to be stated, mixed in with some truth, that is not the heart of a shepherd. A shepherd is seeking to save the lost sheep. Now, I'm thinking in my mind, maybe they're looking at 2 Corinthians 5, expelling the leaven from them. But I think it would have been better to go to that person, Right? I think it would have been better to go to their house if they're not coming. Have the conversation. I also think it would be better to stop writing letters about sexual immorality while we still continue to let people stand in the pulpit and read scripture who smell like alcohol coming out their mouth. People who gossip are still allowed to come into the church and they don't have letters written against them. People who overeat and are gluttons don't have letters written against them, but we look at sexual immorality, we write a letter and we put them out the church because that one type of sin can't exist in the church. I think we rank sin sometimes, right? Every knee is going to bow before God. I don't if we if we ever have elders one day, please know that I'm not laying hands on no one, on nobody who doesn't have a heart to go and receive someone. Right? I believed in that at some point in my life. Get them out of here. We don't want the sin in the church. We need to. If we're going to be elders, right? If we want to one day be elders, we have to have a heart that loves people. I don't see someone who is a shepherd taking a sheep who won't come in with the flock and then drop kicking them across the field. Now, the Bible does talk about, okay, if they're going to continue to engage in it and say, I don't care about it and they want to be in the body. No, that can't exist. But if she's still open to here. Which the woman did state, I still want to worship there. They won't let me. They want to put my business out. Which on the same token, if, if, if what you're doing, you're ashamed of it being public, you probably shouldn't be doing it either. At the same time, this is someone who is in sin that still wants to be in the place where they can receive truth. 
right? Every knee one day. Get off my soapbox down there. Every knee. Every knee one day is going to bow before God. Verse 12 of the same passage in Romans 14 says, So then, each of us will be accountable to God. All right. If I'm doing something that you don't agree with, but at the same time it doesn't cause me to go to hell, if I'm doing it in good faith and good conscience, okay. Let it be. Now, it does talk about putting stumbling blocks and things later. But if it is the case, it's not harming anyone's soul salvation, let it be. Right? We've argued too much in the past. We got to be better. We've argued over clapping hands. We've argued over saying amen. Who can say amen? Who can't say amen? We've argued over the white cloth on the table, song leaders, all these different things we've argued about in our past as the church slowed down our progress so much. We have a mission, right? We have a mission. And as the church, we ought to be a place that will welcome those who are struggling with sin. Because guess what? We all are. We all have something that we need to be better in. Something that we need to grow in. Some area that we need to grow in. We all are struggling. Why not struggle together? Put up or shut up. That's my lesson today. What what if the church what if the church was a place that was welcoming to everyone? What if our community uh what if we showed our community that we were open to having them come in as they are? What if we showed this city something different than they saw in any church, regardless of size? What would happen if we were a church that didn't look down or judge? What would happen then? Right? If you're not a Christian today, I want you to know that you live beneath your privilege. God has and always will, until the end of time, a way for you to be in relationship with him. The relation, being in relationship with God has its benefits. Uh, it, it equates to eternal life. It equates to it equates to heaven, a place that was originally intended for all mankind. Right. The first thing that you must do is hear the word of God. I want you to understand that if you don't hear the story, right, and if we don't share the story, people won't hear. But if you hear the story, you have to believe it. You must repent of your sins, meaning you must turn away from your sin, turn towards Christ, Jesus. Confess that he is the son of God and be baptized for the remission of your sins. If you want to be baptized today, come forward. Raise your hand. Someone will rock, walk forward with you. If you want to ask for prayers today, raise your hand. We, one of these brothers will come. They'll pray with you. We'll all pray with you together. Please do so as we sing the song of invitation. All to Jesus I surrender all, to Him I freely 